what's going on? It's your boy, Big Wavy Roy Johnson here. Hello everyone, this is the interview queen, Alicia Too. This is the infamous Cameron Solis. This is the professional Nathan Cruz. This is Veggie. This is the Callahan Death Machine in the draw and the face of Impact Wrestling. Hello everyone, it's Stephen Jackson, aka DJ215, here again uh, for the uh, Broken But Glorious podcast. And I've got the um, pleasure and um, privilege to be joined by fellow wrestling estate member and um, wrestling knowledge guru, Jack Goodwillie. So how are you doing, Jack? Doing good, Steve. And it's great to talk to you again. Um, thanks for having me on the show. I, I know the show's been doing quite well, as far as I can tell. It's, you know, it's doing good. And I'm glad that, you know, we're both going to be able to sort of bring the wrestling estate to Broken But Glorious and, um, you know, share um, some views tonight on um, Bound for Glory, which took place last night. Um, Impact Wrestling's premiere event um, of the year. Uh, great show. It's available um, to view right now. Uh, the replay is available on Fight uh, to um, to order if anyone wants to watch it. So um, so yeah. Just before we do get into it, um, did you just before we do fully go into the show? Did you enjoy it as a show, Jack? Did you think it was good? I got this, Stephen. Uh, before I get into that, I do have to call you out on one thing, and I <laughs> promised uh, John Corrigan that I would do this. So um, we got to talk about it. You think that Ed, you think that Edge should have turned turned face on John in uh, at, in, uh, when he cashed in the Elimination Chamber? Oh my God, man! It must be it must be it, we talked about this. It it must be different um, over there just with with how you guys see things because I got to tell you, man, I remember as a kid. All the kids at school. Well, not all the kids because, like, if I'm being honest, at that point. Maybe four kids in, in my uh, elementary school watched wrestling, uh, myself included. But, you know, you kind of keep that piece of information to yourself. But we all hated Edge. All <laughs> the kids hated Edge. Edge was, Edge was the Antichrist. He was the devil. He was, he was the worst, and you could believe it. And even nowadays, when I go back and watch wrestling during that time, you know, they, 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 they always said, quote, would be a tribute. But someone said, I can't make them believe wrestling's real, but I can make them believe I'm real. And we all, we all thought, we all knew that Edge was just this terrible person after he turned heel, after he took Leah off Kane's hand. Um, and the way he cashed in Money in the Bank at that time, man, that's a heel move. Now, nowadays, it's, it's, it has been reinvented so many times. You can do the Edge cash in as a face. But even at that time... John Cena was not the, the the fans were not yet were not yet tired of him. No. That didn't really come for about another year. Yeah. So to 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 have the, to do it in a way where it's like no Edge is the Edge is the uh, he's the guy that uh, that we need to be, be we need to get behind here. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It um <laughs> it was uh yeah I I, I just. I just can't even. I, it, I mean, to, to backtrack a little bit, we did a roundtable for the wrestling estate, and one of the questions, it, it was the face turns roundtable, and we uh, a face turn that never happened, but we wish we could have seen. And uh, Stephen put up Edge at uh, New Year's Revolution <laughs> 2005, Six. was it? Or no, uh, excuse me, 2006. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
And, uh, and yeah, I'm just I'm putting myself back to the time as a kid, like pulling up the stream on my mom's computer and, uh, and, and, and just, and just being so disgusted that it just, <laughs> um, so it's just interesting to hear that perspective, I guess. And I just wanted to, um, address that right off the top, just because yeah. as I promised, uh, our, our uh, editor-in-chief that i would yeah um shout out there to john as well uh john corrigan of our um ed- our amazing editor-in-chief at the wrestling estate um yeah i mean um i i it's an interesting one for me because um the thing was was i i you you tweeted and said did i watch the whole thing i watched the whole i, I avidly watched wwe at that point along with all of the wrestling i could get my hands on and the thing for me was that yeah it was it was the edge for a long time had been the the baby face had been you know the good guy during the ruthless aggression era and then he came back and he had this heel persona which built up over 2005 he had the relationship with lita which was so real and raw with matt hardy and the uh, situation with kane as well as you just mentioned and he won money in the bank and that was a really heel moment in the way he won it and the way he took the bell sorry took the briefcase and held on to it and it was a really heel heel thing to do, but I think for me it was more that I, I being an, an Edge fan for so long, and because of how I know Edge was as a as an actual individual and as a person, I never could buy into him as the rated R evil superstar. I always felt it was a bit kind of forced for my tastes. Um, not that he was a bad heel by any stretch of the imagination. He was great at what he did, but I could never buy into that from him. I always felt it was a little bit too cringy. And just the fact that he'd worked so hard and then he won the he won the belt in such a unique... Because it was such a unique thing at that time to win it in that kind of a setting with the contract and the Vince McMahon coming out as well, which made it even more historic in that he actually took the briefcase and that kind of solidified the you know, cashing in, which I always thought was a really cool thing, which they should have done a bit more, I think. Um, I think for me, it was just more that he, it 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 probably is a personal thing more than anything, but I just like, I just feel that Edge works much better as a face than he does a heel. And that at that time, um, I know Cena was super Cena and he was on top of the world and there was no way he was going to be able to have another baby face as well as John Cena in the WWE. That wasn't going to happen. But I think, the whole they could have turned him at some point maybe but it just never happened and from there it then spiraled into the whole vicky guerrero and edge coalition thing and it all it all kind of became yeah. a bit too diluted for me so it was more kind of and the whole i mean the undertaker thing worked a bit better but the initial sort of that reaction when he came out and everyone was cheering and it was that you know the heel has won the bell and he should have held it for a bit longer i feel than what he did thankfully he won it back but i don't know i just found it a bit forced for my tastes and if he had turned maybe in around 2007 and become a bit of a face maybe and i don't know maybe done something at some point rather than being the heel all the way through it might have been a bit more to my taste but we're all different at the end of the day. That's why, you know, it's interesting in that, you know, I like to sometimes surprise people with my opinions like that. And, you know, um, it, it was never an intent. I don't know. It's a bit like Randy Orton. I can't cope with Randy Orton being a face. You know, I can't cope with that. Randy Orton is a heel through and through. It's like, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. You know, it's just not right. Um, yeah. And it was, it was one of those things where I think 
um, I'm glad it got people talking, and I'm glad that it got you and John talking as well. You know, <laughs> I never knew that. So if John is listening, which I hope he is, yeah. I hope that's kind of contextualised it a little bit more. Um, and you know, it's a uh, it's always good to have a different opinion, and whether it be that I'm from the UK, I don't know, but it's a it's a personal thing, you know. And I'm glad that uh, I hope that's helped to yeah. answer the question. It may or not have done. When we we can agree to disagree, I'm all for that as well. You know, I'm not gonna, um, uh-huh. you know, uh, cause any kind of rifts. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my take on it. Um, and I'm glad that we have. Yeah, that well, that, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and I understand completely. By the way, I, you know, the first uh, on the on the flip side. You know, Eddie Guerrero was sort of like my guy uh, when I started watching wrestling. He was WWE champion. He was uh, he was a consummate babyface. You know, the fans we hated Kurt Angle. We hated JBL. But um, when he when he when he eventually turned heel on Rey Mysterio, I thought at the time, oh, he doesn't work as a heel. He's got to be Eddie Guerrero. We love Eddie Guerrero. I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna leave Eddie Guerrero's side, and he ended up being the first heel that I rooted for. But as I got older, I really gained a deeper appreciation for what he was able to do. The fact that he could, he, once he had it, was playing a villain or playing the hero, he was gonna keep that attention and uh, and do something interesting with it. And you know, I guess, and it, I feel like Edge can do the same thing. I really think he was a good heel, though. Um, yeah, just seeing. His body language during that match with Mick Foley at WrestleMania 22 was incredible. That's still one of my favorite matches on the show. Um, and just in general, I, you know, these guys like that, man, they, they, they don't come around too often. And uh, it's really good that we're talking about them because uh, I feel like uh, you, you don't want those guys to get lost in the either, you know. So it's, a, it's kind of our responsibility as fans to keep talking about them so the next generation of fans can recognize just how great they were. Absolutely, I agree. You know, um, it's and with this new generation of fans as well, you know, the access they've got to so much content, you know, is is like unbelievable. Back when we were watching wrestling, you know, there was no WWE network, there was no streaming, there was no, um, you know, twenty four seven access and all these hidden gems. It was, you know, um, your weekly shows and your pay-per-views and monthly pay-per-views and occasional home box sets, you know, and, and that was, that was it really. And I mean, you know, for, um, in, and like you said, in terms of the history, and that's one of the interesting things, actually, it does, it does bring me into something which we will talk about later on about Bound for Glory, what was interesting, which is the main topic, topic of our conversation as well this evening is Bound for Glory, um, which took place last night. Um, and there was, yeah. I think, um, going into Bound for Glory, I think one interesting thing about the history is that it, if we're going into the topic of the pay-per-view, is that it's been going for 15 years. And I saw a tweet about that, and I was thinking, man, like 15 years ago, like Bound for Glory, that's such a long time. And, you know, people coming into Impact Wrestling now, if they'll have watched, because I think this pay-per-view actually created a lot of buzz for the company which might have been lost for quite a while um but when you go back 15 years and you look at it it was tna you know total non-stop action wrestling a completely different name of the company and a completely different look and everything you think you know it's amazing how far they've come in terms of what they actually have um 
here and they're still around in 2020 you know they've been around for 15 plus years and they've produced Mm -hmm. several great pay-per-views and and i think this was a really fun show you know i think there's i've read different reports online about this show but i actually really enjoyed it so what did what did you think of it jack did you think it sort of lived up to the hype and it was a good show yeah i think it was uh i think it was a decent show i think that well not to jump around too much because we are going to be uh dissecting this in every which way there were things i liked and there were things i didn't like um I think my favorite match on the show as a match, just completely void of of any buzz it had coming in, was probably the main event. I thought, you know, even though I, I was critical of Impact from having the main event, their biggest show of the year, Rich Swan and Eric Young, I thought the match to live. I just hope that it it drew enough eyeballs that people got to got to see it because at the end of the day that's really the goal it's 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 the big main event match should have the most over guy or the guy that is going to set up and we'll 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 get into more of the uh the logistics of it in a bit i thought it was a cool way to end the show and uh i thought the match did deliver and i had no doubt in that listen Eric, eric young is he's fantastic and and Rich Swan, you know, he's um he's got the athlete he's got an athleticism with the times we're living in because we don't really know who's over, who's really over and who's not over. So it is a bit of a guessing game. And I think if there were ever a time to to take a risk in the main event, like like I, I felt impacted, I think it was now. But uh, but yeah. like I said, we'll get into that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um it definitely was a was a risk um but i think it did really really pay off and i do think that this pay-per-view um as you said you know there was moments where i like i think like any show really there was parts i liked there was parts i didn't like but i didn't leave the show thinking oh i've just watched two hours of the worst show i've ever seen or oh why did i sit and watch that i thought there were some really strong performances i thought every match had a purpose and that it delivered in some shape or form and i thought that the um you know, the way it was paced as well. I thought it was a really, you know, fun, easy to sit through show because there's a tendency with a lot of pay-per-views, which are the biggest pay-per-views of the year, notably WrestleMania and the like, that they can go on for quite a while. But this actually was a nice, concise show with everything having time. Everyone had time and everything worked how it was meant to work. Um, so to kick right off, the um, before um, the first opening match, there was a great opening package from... Uh, impact with um, Eric Young, um, and it it just looked really really cool. Like I lo- I think one thing I always love about Impact is um, the cinematography on their um, their segments and their video packages. I always think that they have a completely different look to um, WWE and to the competition. And I thought this one with Eric Young really helped to um, present his character and his feud with Rich Swan beautifully later on in the show um i mean did you think it was a really good way to start the pay-per-view off with that um you know package of eric yeah i do i do and 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 i yeah i do and i think that um it it was uh it was really necessary in this case um especially if you had especially if 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 impact did succeed in bringing in through this show you know you you want to you know put over the fact that, that Eric Young, even though he's only been back in Impact for 
three months or less point, um, yeah. is this great champion. And he performed like a great champion. And he's been performing um, up to up to the standard that the world champion. And they really did a good job putting that over while putting over the fact that Rich Swan, here's a guy that's overcome some adversity uh, as of late and, and uh, is getting his shot, which is um, which is the beauty of I don't want to say like uh, like manifest destiny or, or <laughs> something something along those terms, but 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 it's the it's the underdog story that everybody loves. Um, yeah, and that's kind of, that was kind of the story of the match, and that was the story of the opening. Yeah, definitely, um, and and it really was a you know, oh, Eric really did come across as they were saying, sort of as a crazed lunatic and to say that he's only been back in the company for three months you know and he's had held the title for around three months he really did look like a legitimate threat which considering eric's history both in tna and wwe you might not have um expected that a few years ago and um, so it was really i thought it was really well done um and from there we came into the opening match which was the uh, six-way scramble for the x division championship so we had uh, tj perkins take tj tjp taking on dashing chris bay trey miguel uh, jordan grace willie mack and uh, rohit Ray, uh, raju and i thought this was great you know i thought that um they really set the tone of the paper off really well TNA are always great. I, I I refer to them as TNA. Impact Wrestling always set up their pay per views really well with um with a bang. You know they always have these great innovative flying high flying mishmash matches. But everyone had a spot. Everybody was able to get something in what was unique. Everyone worked really well. Um, I'm so I will say here on air as well. I am so pleased that Chris Bay. Um, has been able to get a huge opportunity of Impact Wrestling because I remember seeing him on the independent scene back in um, Championship Wrestling from Arizona quite a few years ago and I knew that he was going to make something big. And I thought he was outstanding in this match. I thought that he looked a million dollars and I thought that Jordan Grace as well, she took some pretty vicious-looking suplexes and some pretty vicious-looking, um, you know, slams and the like from, you know, the competitors in this match. And, um, you know, one, some of the some of the bits I picked up on was uh, Willie Mack's um, one-man alarm clock and that crazy kick what he delivered. <laughs> His athleticism is insane. Um, the four-way submission with uh, TJP where he had, I believe... Um, he had Jordan Grace, um, Trey Miguel, uh, Chris Bay, uh, Willie Mack, and um, jo- uh, I said Jordan Grace. Didn't I? Everyone bar Rohit into a submission, which I thought was really cool. Um, that beautiful looking um, electric chair, which then Chris Bay hit a, a drop kick on. So then Trey Miguel landed a, a beautiful looking uh, moonsault, which I thought was crazy um just crazy innovative stuff in this match you know you just think you've always seen everything in these kinds of matches but it just kept coming and coming and um i thought that rohit as well played a great character in this thing being the sort of um chicken chicken like heel not wanting to get in the ring being the you know classic sort of heelish champion and he's he's really come on as well from you wouldn't have thought a few years ago that he would be able to you know have such a great um 
character and impact in this match, but he was he stood his ground as well. So I think this really, you know, was a great opening match and the best match to open the show on. Um, so I love this thing. What what did you think of it, Jack? Um, first off, I need you. I need you to help me out here for a yeah. second. So it it was billed as a six way scramble match. Now. When wrestling fans think of uh, championship scrambles, we think of the old uh, WWE style match uh, where it had like specific rules. But if I'm to be understood, this was essentially like a uh, a six way dance. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. OK, so with that being said, I didn't think this match was any good at all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, really? <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Um, typically, when you multi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, when you have multi-man matches, they, they could be they could be tough to do, but the but the best guys always find a way to pull it off. And make the thing with this match was it was I nothing was ever happening at the same time. Typically, when you, when you see multi-man matches, you'll see guys at least like in the corner like beating each other up, or or maybe they will have downtime, but it'll be like a good sort of downtime. This was sort of either everybody's doing a spot at the same time, one spot at the same time, like you mentioned with the, the uh, with the uh, everybody doing a submission on Rohit. And I'll get to him um, because I did think he was uh, the MVP of this of this yeah. match. But it was either everybody was in the in the ring doing something to everyone at the same time or it was just two people at a time and, and people were just just out, outside like like incapacitate on the outside and to me that's a little i think that's a little lazy i think that um like i said like there's there's absolutely no reason um multiple you know things can't be going on in the ring at once um and and because it, it down the way it did it felt less like a match and it felt less like uh like um you know six people vying for a championship ver- as opposed to people taking their turn in the ring to yeah. do something and then up oh, now now it's somebody else's turn um and to me that 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 absolutely hurt it that this Rohit Raju uh this guy is is something else to me he's yeah. um <laughs> uh really needs and I don't really I didn't really know much about him I you know I follow impact uh, on again off again these days but it's always nice to tune into a show like this and and see things that you don't expect to see. One thing I have to ask, though, I can't find anything on on uh, this. This struck me as interesting when I was doing my research. The only information I could find about this guy's age, uh, which was, was on Cage Match, and that said he was forty years. Do you know if that's accurate? I don't actually know his age. Actually, I I always believed he was a bit younger. To be fair, um, I might have to look into that as well. Um, but uh, cage match should be the um, as as all um, wrestling fans know is the place to go if you want to find anything out. So you know, I may have to look at this myself, Jack, um, right. at some point to find out his age, um, which I will do as you're uh, well, speaking now. <laughs> yeah, well, Daddy's been wrestling since two thousand eight. So that would make him rel- very experienced in terms of uh, wrestling years, so to speak. Uh, well, that's that's fascinating to me um, because he 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 really did uh, uh, play a good heel here. He really did. I think there's I think there's a lot that can be done with him versus anybody in this match, 
personally, I think I like Trey Miguel a lot. Yeah. I'd like to see some more of that. Um, but one one thing that this show did have a lot of was the intergender stuff, and that's just not going to be my cup of tea. It's not going to be a lot of people's cup of tea, but a lot of people have embraced it. So it, it's really something that yeah, either like um, – there's really no need to like debate the merits of it. I think that um, the battle royal did it a lot. I think it did it better than it did in this match, whereas Jordan Grace was just another person in the match, and you wouldn't have even like I don't know. Quite obviously, she's the only woman in the match, but the way the way the match was done in a way that um, it wasn't even like important. It was just like, up, oh, yep, Jordan Grace is here too. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I do agree with that. Actually, I, I do agree that um, it did kind of feel a bit like um, she was. They didn't really sort of uh, mention that in any depth. It just kind of, as you mentioned, that she was just there. Um, and you know, I, I think the intergender thing again is a personal, a personal taste. I can take it or leave it. I think you know, um, it's. Got a, I think sometimes it has a place and other times it doesn't have a place. Like anything in wrestling, it sometimes has a place and other times it doesn't. And I think, um, I didn't think it detracted from the match in any way. But then again, you know, Jordan Grace, as well as other people in this match, may have been, could have been in any other match. You know, it's not like a case of it's anything to do with yep. gender. It's just to do with booking at the end of the day. Um, oh, I I agree. I I don't think that um, her involvement was any really factored into what I thought of the match. What I thought of the match was more just because of the way it was structured. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't necessarily because she was in the match. Um, however, I think that, you know, here's, here's the thing. If you're going to do intergender wrestling regularly to the point where you're not even going to make a big deal out of it, if, if you have a match like this, and yeah, Jordan Grace is in a match with five men for a men's title – why have a women's title? Why yeah. go through the trouble of dividing it up? It, it's confusing for the fan. Yeah, um, I agree with that as well, you know, because it does kind of limit in terms, well, not limit, but it does sort of make you think the division aspect of it, is it really relevant or necessary? And, you know, I mean, this is the X division title and there's that thing where the X division, you know, there's no limits on no, anyone can go for it and stuff, which is kind of a unique aspect of it. But yeah, at the same time, it does kind of dilute it in a way. Um, and, you know, I think what I, I will say from this match though, as well, what I, I, there was, even though we have got conscious an opinion of it, I do agree that Rohit Raju was definitely the, um, the MVP. And when he did win, uh, with that big knee and it was uh, he, he like you've just mentioned i will agree that the coming in coming out doing the moves aspect of it um it, it does sometimes become an uh tiresome but i think in the case of Rahit, it worked given that he was the heelish uh t- champion so he was trying to buy as much time as he could to be able to pounce um and win the match which he did in you know, great fashion with the with the big knee, and uh, which was preceded by the um, warrior's way of uh, Loki, um, which I thought was you know pretty cool as well. Um, so it was you know it was what it was. Um, way to start the show, um, and it was you know something a bit something a bit different. Um, so that was that was the opening match, um, as you've heard, contrasting opinions on that one, which is yeah. always good though as well. I always like it when there's different opinions on things because it makes it fresh. Um, no, and from there, and, we... And oh, I sorry. Think that, yeah, 
sorry, I, I think that that's going to be kind of um, a, a really cool thing about this review that, that people are, are going to see. They're going to see two. And I think there's value in that. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, it's much easier to, um, agree. well, there's a tendency to agree on everything. And then, you know, it's much better to have contrasting opinion with different views. Um and I, I thought, much like you said about the first match, I thought the second match of the call your gaunt, shot gauntlet um, battle royal, I thought this went on forever. I thought this was this wasn't to my taste. I popped though when Jimmy Jacobs appeared, as I love Jimmy Jacobs. Um, but I did notice, and I don't know if you did, Jack. There was a uncomfortable um, moment which might appear on Botchamania, which I might be wrong or not. But did Heath and Rhino miss their cue? when they were doing their backstage segment before the match and they had to restart. Did I miss that or not? <laughs> no, I, I, that didn't really like stick out to me. I think that was just part of the shtick. <laughs> I hope um, it was because if not, then that's going to be up there. If with I'm not mistaken. In your house. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. was, I thought that was the most entertaining aspect of this thing, but um, yeah, it was, it was all right. It just went on and on and on. And on for me i agree oh it was and then every you know josh matthews on commentary oh look he's so and so oh look he's so i just felt it was a bit much you know um but there was some interesting things like i i mean i, I will say that i did i thought the face paint of tommy dreamer as road Roy animal was a pretty cool little touch he you know even after a few weeks after road warrior animal uh passed away so i thought it was a nice little tribute to to the uh to animal um James Storm came out, which did make me uh, pop, given that I'm a massive James Storm fan. Not happy he didn't win, though. Um, I was hoping he would, and he didn't. Um, but we can't have everything. <laughs> um, for some reason, Brian Myers was sort of the diesel of this match and seemed to be eliminating everybody. And I I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't get it. You know, I, I didn't really get that whole thing. Um, you know, it's funny thought... you mentioned that. I, 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 uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I, um, with Brian Myers, uh, if I could just jump in here real fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, everybody, he looks like Scott Hall in the ring because he's so much taller than everybody else. And I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ, how tall, <laughs> how tall is, how tall is Brian Myers? And so I go to the Google machine and sure enough, he's a whopping 6'1". <laughs> <laughs> and, we'll made out and I'm like, wow. So that means everybody in this match is is small. <laughs> um, he looked huge. He looked huge in the ring. He was playing the Kevin Nash. That's exactly what he was doing. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, it's my height. Wow. I could have been in this match, and I could have been playing uh playing Diesel, but hopefully wouldn't have torn both my quads. <laughs> yeah, I needed to. Um, I thought um. I did think it was cool that Davari came out. Um, I do like Davari, and he's jacked. Like, like they said on commentary, his. He, I mean, I, I saw Davari back in the day, like obviously, and you know, it wasn't. It was obviously not. Um, he had a good physique and everything, but now he just seems to have, you know, been working out like every day since he left Impact because he was ripped beyond belief. I didn't know how much muscle he'd put on. It was crazy. Um, but. Um, it was it was all right. It was just it went on. Like I said, it just went on and on, and it just took up a lot of the show. And you know, for some reason, the bit what made me laugh more than anything actually, as well as the mistiming of um, 
of Heath and Rhino earlier on was that Hernandez came out, he went after Fowler Bar, who had his money. It was like, he had money. And then Fowler Bar's money got thrown to the outside, so Fowler Bar went to get the money. And then Hernandez thought, I can have a... I can have a contract for any match I want in Impact and make more money. Or I can go and get this wad of money which Falabar has taken. And then he just casually walked over the top rope and left the match. <laughs> which I thought was just a way of, you know, completely bizarre. Completely bizarre and a waste of Hernandez being in the match, I believe. Um, but, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was what it was. What did you make of it? If uh, That's my thoughts. Yeah, it. I... Yeah, I couldn't agree more that it it, it ran quite long. Um, I thought the outcome was good. I just yeah. um, what can I say? It was it was long. Uh, Brian <laughs> Meyer stuff did stick out, like I said, because because of just how big he was. And it was one of my big takeaways. But as you said, it was kind of almost like Impact here was was steering into the into the old meme on Reddit with Josh Matthews. What's so and so doing in the impact zone? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was good to see Jim if he's if he's back in impact. That's a big get, and you know yes. this is a roster that was um, that's been ravaged by, by a number of different issues and 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 money situations um, over like throughout twenty twenty. So if they can if they can get if they can add him to an equation that already involves um, Eric Young coming in on top, um, Heath, Rhino, um, uh, Gallows and Anderson, um, and then everybody they already had that were building, like the North and uh, and, uh, and and that women's division. You know, it's, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a good state um, yeah. for the Impact roster right now. Yeah. So, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken... I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but uh, Heath Slater, excuse me, Heath, wow, Heath had a uh, legitimate injury that um, I guess he was maybe supposed to go over, but uh, it ended up being Rhino, and they kind of worked it into the show that the idea was that Rhino's getting his title shot and Heath gets his contract. Yeah, uh, he, he did, yeah, because the the thing was, was, as the match ended, you could see the EMTs down with Heath. Now, I don't know what Heath's injury was, but um, it, it, obviously he didn't do a lot in the match. I mean, he didn't do a lot. He, I mean, in theory, he should maybe not have even been out there because they had enough seconds in the match coming out to work on the outside. So I don't know whether the injury happened during the match. I couldn't really tell, but it didn't necessarily look like he did a lot in the match to begin with. So, um, you know, it was, um, yeah, it, it was... It was odd, really, what his involvement was. But it was good, though, that Rhino got the win. You know, I'm a big Rhino fan, always have been. And, you know, it was good for him and Sammy Callahan to get in there and have a little, you know, match at the end. And I thought they had quite good chemistry, really. I thought it was quite a good little, you know, um, little finishing stretch they had. Um, and then Rhino can uh, challenge for any title he likes, and he's got his contract, and Heath's got his contract as well. So we can see where that will... Uh, that will go. And as you said, you know, if James Storm has come back to Impact Wrestling full-time, it's a great get. You know, I'm a massive fan of James Storm. Impact original, um, been there since day one. And, you know, he's got a big history with the company. Um, and a guy who, for a while, had been sort of floundering. And I think he, you know, can come in fresh with a new um, perspective, really, and just see where he goes. So I hope he does 
you know, get a contract. Or he has got a contract of impact to see what he can do. Um, and then from there, we went into a, one of my favorite parts of oh. the Oh, oh, wait, real quick, uh, if I could add uh, two more things uh, with that, man. Yeah, so I think the one thing that um, I haven't heard a lot of people pertain to the match was that what it was was a callback to the very first Bound for Glory. I don't know if you uh, remember this or not, Steven, but um, Rhino won a gauntlet match at the first Bound for Glory to replace Kevin Nash in the main event. Oh, Parlay I remember he won the main into event. The, that, into winning the NWA world title with Jeff Garrett right after that. Ah, yeah. I remember so, he won the title. Yeah. But not the but not the not the gauntlet. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So I I liked that. I liked that nod. I thought that was very cool. Um and I think just in general, I, I like uh I like gauntlet. I like the gauntlet match in TNA. I mean, excuse me, impact, just talking about the old Bound for glory. <laughs> um I, I like that they kept that. I really wish, in a perfect world, the Royal Rumble would be like that, or WWE would would make use of that in some way because it's a, it's a cool concept. You run this gauntlet, you get to the end, and then to you know claim victory, you have to actually win the match. Yeah, I I, I kind of like that. Yeah, it is it is a cool little um you know, ending to it. And it's always interesting that I think because it, it gives a little extra layer to the match as well. Um and, you know, I did forget that though about I, I forgot that Rhino fought in the gauntlet. I knew he'd faced uh Jeff Jarrett in the main event and but I'd forgotten that he'd uh, run the gauntlet. So it's a cool little throwback as you said, you know, and it's um it, it is great in TNA. I think uh, well I keep saying TNA impact is Rhino. He's kind of much more um <laughs> Me too. To, it's it's the same company if all those millennials who don't know who tna are go back and watch your impact plus um you know subscriptions and see what we're on about um <laughs> but um i thought this was yeah i thought this was you know it, it was long but it, it achieved what it meant to do and you know uh james storm came back so i'm happy even if he didn't win um <laughs> and from there we then went into one of my favorite segments from the show which was between which was a uh, backstage in- interview with the north of josh alexander and ethan page hyping up their match for um for later in the show the four-way um tag these two guys i'd been watching them for a long time in the independent scene and i knew they were special but i mean you know ethan page um I just I'll just read verbatim what I put on my um on my notes, which was so so good. He's untouchable on the mic, and at the moment, he's looking great in terms of his so um so cut in terms of his physique. He's looking incredible, and he just his his we were talking earlier about sort of body language and mannerisms and the heel thing. And Ethan Page is just such a brilliant heel in the sense he's so out there, but he's so believable in what he does and josh alexander is just that sort of rick steiner kurt angle you know intense you know college wrestler you know amateur um hooker type wrestler they're just the perfect foil for one another and i thought this was such a great segment and i couldn't wait for this match later in the show um did you did you make of this um the same jack or did you have a different opinion no i agree uh one thing that i I thought thought Ethan Page, and I know Scott Demore was a wrestler, but Ethan Page is basically Scott Demore in a wrestler's body. Um, yeah. 
that's that's what he is, <laughs> and he's great. You're you're absolutely right. Um, the, the, this definitely got me excited for the match. It it was just when you watch those sometimes backstage interviews can be very, you know, formulaic, and they can be a bit kind of there for not really much other than just to hype up a match but this really did make me want to watch this match and especially to see what was going to happen with these these two so i thought it was great um then we came into something a bit odd i would say which was ec3 taking on moose and as i mentioned earlier on this had a lot to do i i think um actually no what i'll do is i'll throw this to you jack and then i'll tell you what i think so what did you make of ec3 against moose well, this whole storyline has been interesting. Way over the summer, when I think around the time of Slammiversary, when when Moose was really running wild with the with the TNA title, I thought that was a pretty cool idea. And where I thought it was that Moose was going to, you know, take the TNA title, make it mean just in a title shot at a Bound for Glory, and then. What you would then have is whoever wins that match has the has the has the uh, visual of them holding up the two belts. I thought that would be pretty cool. Not where that went. What it instead did was it created a storyline for EC3 thinking that the TNA title represents um, a piece of him that he'll never actually get back. But is also he, he described it as a uh, a weight. Of him uh, on him treading water in the ocean, he needs to kick that weight in order to make it back to the surface and, and be able to breathe again. But what he realized in the match, and uh, and the match was was, but what he realized in the match, uh, it was actually the TNA title he wanted all along, and that's why he never actually destroyed it when he had the chance. That opening ultimately gave Moose the chance to realize his quote unquote full potential but um the match was the match was okay i um the, the storyline to me is is very um it's vi- like almost like uh, uh it's very psycho it's a very it's very psychological yeah but it almost outsmarts itself in a way yeah um you know with with with, with ec3 um i he 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 can do manic and crazy pretty good but there's also some seriousness in it and uh he's he's also this unintentionally or intentionally um big comedy in everything he does because he's such a naturally goofy um yeah so that's all that's always kind of weird um and with moose i mean i i don't know if it's i don't i don't know if this is best use of him you know that i mean this is i think that's the guy that, that needs to be uh be on top of the card and, and maybe not in Edward is another one, and I'll speak more in depth on that when we get there. But uh, it was just okay. And as far as cinematic matches go, it, it it what was interesting was usually when they when they do those types of matches, they do it so they can do something really wacky that you can't normally do. They just in in this in this like Fight Club like setting where um where you had uh, EC3s um. Uh, how do you say it? how would you, his uh, his cult following yeah. uh, chanting his name at ringside and then it flipped over to moose um so they were there was they were definitely trying to tell a story 
I just think that they may have outsmarted themselves at some point along the way. Yeah. What did you think? I, I agree with that, yeah. I think um, this is a match which, after I was mentioning the history of Bound for Glory and uh, the company, that you need to have a lot of inside knowledge as to the history of both men's careers in TNA and Impact to be able to appreciate what this match was trying to to get, I think. Um, I loved the way it was shot, though. I think this whole setting and this whole... Um, you know, way of having a match was really well done. I think the um, cinematography, because Impact a lot of the time gets a lot of criticism for sometimes for its cinematography, but I think it was great. And I think, as you mentioned, DC3 was great playing the crazy man, but also great playing the the goofball sort of, um, you know, uh, sort of clown-esque character. And one thing I did really like um, was in the package which led into this match, because one there was two things I liked, in that, first of all, it didn't actually... The match itself, kind of, they didn't pull back into the studio and then say, this is where we are and this is what's going to happen. It kind of naturally flowed into the match, which I thought was quite cool. But with that, there was a particular segment... Yeah, where I almost a, didn't realise the match was starting. Was I it? was like that. I was like that. Um, and I thought that was quite a cool little... I mean, at first it baffled me, but then I thought, that's quite a cool, different, again, different take on it, um, because it takes away from the um, psychology of the whole the whole thing, and it, it would take it away from what was happening. Um, and with that, there was a little segment where they were on a bridge, and... Um, EC3 had the title and he put it down on the on the uh, on the runs of the bridge and he said, you know, are you ready to cross the line? Which obviously was the previous slogan for, you know, TNA back in the day. Which again, referencing the history, I think yeah. that was one thing I liked was there was a lot of referencing of history not only in this match but on this show, and um, this really did do that really well. And I think the other thing I really liked was that when both men were going to go for their finishes, they had those little flashback moments to their earlier careers in TNA. So we had the bit where EC3 had the flashback to him, you know, with the belt, and then we had Moose. And I think it was really well done. I think it was a really clever little segment. I think it, it kind of, it was, they, they probably did outsmart themselves, but I liked how it was completely different to anything you'll see, you know, Anywhere, I think. I think it was very different. TNA is great at sometimes doing an impact, doing things which are completely off the wall and different. And you just have to go with the flow. And again, this was one of those things where you just had to go with it. And, you know, I thought um, they really worked hard. It was really vicious. There was the bit where Moose was pummeling EC3 looked like something straight out of the UFC or, you know, uh, a bare knuckle fight. So I thought that looked great. Um, and yeah. I thought they just really went at each other, like physically beat each other to death, basically. It looked like a real battle brawl between just a fight, um, which can sometimes get lost um, with the world of wrestling. But I think it worked really well. And although it wasn't my favourite match on the show, I think it was probably the match I'll take away in terms of that it was something completely unique to this show. Let's put it that way. Um so it was it was it achieved where it set out to do, I think. But as you said, it might have been a bit too clever for its own good. Yeah, agreed. I didn't hate it. No, <laughs> um, no, that that as I said, that was uh, earlier on with uh, you know the um, other things. Um, <laughs> no, so then we went to um, <laughs> we went to Ken Shamrock's um, 
induction into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame. And of all people, Dwayne The Rock Johnson inducted Ken Shamrock into the Hall of Fame. We didn't actually see his speech, but we we hear his speech. But we did see um, Dwayne Johnson's sort of uh, tribute to Ken, which I thought was a nice little touch, to be fair. And I think he was really genuine in what he said. And I thought it was really... Um, really cool and ken's had a really long career with the company you know he was there from the beginning he was a former nwa champion you know he's there in the company now and he was the first nwa champion for today he was yeah he was um so he's got history in the company you know and he um you know definitely deserves to have a place in the impact hall of fame and i'm glad that he was able to be inducted and the fact that of all people you wouldn't have thought that Dwayne the rock johnson would you know appear on Fair enough, it was by video feed, but even so, they can say that Dwayne The Rock Johnson appeared on Impact, you know, so pretty cool, yeah. you know, pretty cool little segment, um, and a nice little segment for him as well, um, and I think the segment itself, he, his actual induction, was it on Countdown to um, Countdown to Glory, if I'm right, is that what they said? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, so um, you can actually see it, if anyone would like to see it as well. Um, I mean, as well, Jack, do you um, think he's a worthy inductee into the uh, Impact Hall of Fame? Absolutely. You know, um, first off, cool Easter egg to have The Rock appear on a uh, Impact slash TNA pay-per-view. That'll be good trivia one day. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, no question. Um, but, uh, yeah, listen, uh, Ken is, uh, like I mentioned, um, TNA's uh, first NWA champion. He, you know, was a was a big reason the company was able to find some uh, near immediate success with their yeah. weekly pay per view model. Because at that time, people were still willing to t- tune in and pay to see what Ken Shamrock was going to do. Right? Um, you know, nowadays, and I think, and we'll talk more about the the match nowadays. He looks really old, um, but I do give Impact a lot of credit for having the creativity to say, "Hey, what if we brought in Ken?" And his son over the last year or so has been has been pretty great, uh, all things considered. Uh, of course, it's a match made in heaven. Um, Impact can use some star power, and, and Ken needs the um, so he he's not saying no to anything <laughs> at this point. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely a worthy addition into into their uh, into their little uh, well not little into their into their Hall of Fame <laughs> wing. Um, yeah, he yeah I didn't I didn't mean it in like a demeaning sort of way. No, but, he, no. but I mean he's got a lot to do with um, the reason Impact still you know running running strong today. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you know and and. He has had a history in the company and, you know, it was great. For, I think it was a nice little time because obviously he was appearing on the show because um, this led into the match, which you just mentioned, Ken Shamrock with Sammy Callahan in his corner against um, Eddie Edwards. Um, this was... Ugh, I don't really know what to make of this match, to be fair. I thought... I think on paper you think, oh yeah, Ken Shamrock against Eddie Edwards, that's going to be something. And I think it's because you have this kind of romanticized view that Ken Shamrock is the Ken Shamrock of old. But it's Ken Shamrock in 2020. <laughs> and he looked... Uh-huh. He didn't look bad, let's put it that way. It wasn't bad or anything, but I believe that it... it I had this match happen, say, like, 
10 years ago when Ken was early in TNA. If it had been Eddie Edwards now against the Ken Shamrock back in 2002 in TNA, we would have been seeing a completely different match from these two. But from what they were able to do, it was passable, but it, it just was a bit sad, really. I, I, Ken Shamrock's punches bizarrely looked a bit odd. They looked very weak. I don't know why they looked so weak. And I know that sounds horrible of me to say, but he just didn't really put a lot of force behind his punches. His kicks definitely looked a lot more vicious than his punches. Um, but it was it was good. They worked well together. It just didn't live up to probably where it would have been. It didn't live up to what was put on paper, let me put it that way. And I was expecting more. And that's probably because I'm looking at Ken mm-hmm. Shamrock from a pair of rose-tinted glasses. Um, I mean, you may disagree, Jack, I don't know. Well, you're absolutely right. The thing is, the way Impact markets Ken Shamrock and talks about him is as if you are getting the 2002 Ken Shamrock. And uh, and that's just not the case. He's a little slow. His punches don't look great, but you got to remember, uh, Ken was never a striker by trade. Anyway. Yeah. He was a, uh, a submission grappler uh, coming up. Uh, catch wrestling, I think. I think is the uh, is the proper term. The match was uh, was okay. I don't think it was this feud in general is really best use of Eddie Edwards. And similar to how I feel like uh, the EC see impact since um, the Moore and Callis took over. You know, two of the guys they really planted their flag and said these are going to be the guys we uh, we help build our company around have been Eddie Edwards and Moose. Now, I know they've done that match to death, um, but it, it was crazy that, that one of those guys didn't find their way into the main event on this show. Um, but nevertheless, I thought the match was, was okay. By the end, Ken started to slow down considerably. I don't know if he gassed out or what, yeah. but it was almost like he was moving in slow motion. And then and the finish uh, was kind of weird. Um, the lights go out, and, you know, usually – in wrestling, when the lights go out, it's it's very, very um, so, like some crazy shit's gonna happen, right? Sabu, uh, like uh, yeah, Sabu or some <laughs> or ECW, someone's someone's gonna appear in the ring. The Sandman, um, the Sandman, <laughs> Jim Cornette with the tennis racket. I don't know, because uh, that happened. Brian Pillman, but um, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Brian Pillman's gonna come back from uh, the dead and uh, appear on Down for Glory 2020. That'd be something. His ghost on the Titan. But, uh, yeah. So then, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, lights go out. Lights come back on. Sammy Callahan's got, um, oh, man, I forget what weapon he had. But then Eddie Edwards pulls out a, a kendo stick behind his back. And then he uh, he hits uh, Sammy with it. But the distraction is just enough for uh, for Ken to get the jump on him. And um, I don't think Ken Shamrock should be beating Eddie Edwards. No, I agree. Ken will do anything uh, for money, in, uh, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, so they, they could have absolutely got uh, had Eddie go over in this one. I think they want to get more longevity out of the program with uh, Eddie and uh, Sammy Callahan and Ken. I think that's the angle here. But I don't – I just don't – I don't see any reason uh, Shamrock needs to be beating Edward. That's my thought. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think 
you know, again, this was referencing history with, you know, as you mentioned, Ken Shamrock being the first NWA champion in Impact Wrestling history. So, you know, bound for glory to link and stuff. I agree. I don't feel that Ken Shamrock should have gone over. But when you look at it, he'd just been inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame, you know, and it's a tough one. You know, I, I, I personally though wouldn't have wanted that to happen. And it wasn't a bad match. It was just a bit sad and it was a bit... Yeah, as you said, Ken Shamrock's marketed as something which he's not anymore. And had it been the other way around and Ken had been on the outside and Sammy had been in the ring, we might have had a completely different match. But unfortunately, that wasn't what we got. Um, and it was okay. You know, it wasn't terrible. But I didn't leave this match thinking, you know, I'd seen, you know, I wanted to see Ken Shamrock in the ring again in 2020. <laughs> if I can help right, it. Right. And it's, 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 it's cool to have but I have a feeling you're going to be getting more matches like this than not. Um, Wonderful. As long as his run continues. I can't wait, um, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so from there, we then went into um, the what I feel was the match of the night, which was the eight-way, um, I say eight-way, and there's a reason why I've kind of said that beforehand, um, tag match, which was between the good brothers of Kyle Anderson and Big Doc Gallows. Um, the North of Ethan Page and uh, Josh Alexander, the Motor City Machine Guns of Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, and Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. Now, the reason I said it's an eight-man um, tag match is because actually it became a seven-man tag match because Josh Alexander and Ethan Page jumped the Motor City Machine Guns as they came into the ring, and Jay, um, sorry, Josh Alexander landed a crazy-looking jay driller onto alex shelley now me when i saw that bump part of me freaked out in thinking oh my god this man has you know knocked this guy this guy's necks crumpled because it it looked crazy like the head trauma it, it, i mean i don't know how much of it it just looked legit like he'd legitimately knocked him out and giving him a proper stinger like you know i mean i don't know jack did you think the same it might have been me being a bit naive i don't know but that looked like a pretty vicious looking pile driver to me <laughs> well well yeah he he sold he sold the shit out of it um yeah. it was nasty looking i mean i i could tell that that it was um you know part of the program um as opposed to what happened with a uh, with heath earlier in the show but um i will say right off the top i was extremely impressed with the booking of this match extremely yes. impressed because what what you have is you have the north not taking alex shelley out of the equation total heel move that's gonna better set them up for success because the guns have been the one team that's had um in like the last two, two years um so you take him and then they end up having to cheat to win anyway you have a ton of heat on the north now and a one-on-one -on -one program between them and the guns, if you want to go that route, has legs. You can also do more multi-man matches. Um, yes. So, and, and that, that's what good booking does. It gives you many different ways to go, and there's not necessarily a bad answer to that. No. Um, I thought this was, I, I like you, I thought it was fantastic. Compared with the multi-man, multi-person match earlier on in the show, I thought this was booked beautifully. I thought this was a brilliantly booked match. I thought everyone was great. I thought Chris Saban put on an incredible performance. He's just one of a kind, Chris Saban. You know, he just, every match he's yeah. in, he just gives his all. He's brilliant. Alex Shelley, as you said, 
sold that thing like he was, you know, not gonna, you know, be able to walk again. You know, it was it was vicious. And Josh Alexander delivered that thing with some force to make me, you know, think that it was legit. Um, but yeah, as you said, the heat on the north was, you know, brilliant. The way all of these teams worked together was brilliant. Ace Austin got in some really innovative offense. Um, there was a beautiful moonsault, which Alexander was going to land on Chris Saban, but he moved. And just the stuff, what they were able to do, the North, the double teams were just crazy. Um, you know, big Doc Gallows and Madman Fulton going at it was awesome. You know, it had so many layers, this match. It was brilliant. And, you know, the ending where um, Ethan Page hit... Um, Chris, uh, was it Chris Saban he hit with the belt? I just didn't make a note. I believe it was Chris Saban. But I might have been. I might have been wrong. I might have made an, an incorrect note. I yes, believe it was Chris Saban with the with the uh, with the belt, and then they got the victory through cheating tactics. I thought it was great. I thought it was such a great way to build up the North as this. You know, they got the belts back. They set out what they were going to do in the pre-match promo, and you know they've got a new set of challenges to take on and renew the old rivalries they had. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought this was the match of the night by far. And I thought that if you, um, we were asking the round table, weren't we about the tag divisions of AEW and, uh, impacts before we watched this pay-per-view and which we prefer. Um, I personally prefer impacts tag division to AEWs. I'm not saying in AEWs is bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I just feel there's so much more depth to impacts tag division and this is a match to prove why I feel that's the case um, you might feel differently yeah. Jack but that's what I think that's yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting uh, the, the, in the round table the question was not necessarily who, who has the better tag team division but who does tag team wrestling better and yeah. personally I think AEW has the better tag team division but as far as who does it better it's really close. It's it's tough because with AEW for about the last us, uh, the tag team titles have really been a conduit for Adam Page and uh, uh, Kenny Omega to have this this split and have this storyline with uh, Page uh, getting ousted from the um, that's ultimately gonna result in in, in, in a big turn of, of some kind that hasn't quite manifested yet. So it's tough for me to say. AEW does have the rankings. They just brought in FTR. Um, I think that is what kind of put them over the top because now you've got um, when Page and Omega were a team, you had them. Then you had Young Bucks, who I'm not a big, who I'm not all that high on, but but you have to mention them. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I'm. I say, I'm I think I said Page and Omega first. And then you got FTR, and you've got Lucha Bros, and then you've got SoCal Uncensored. And then after that, you've got the Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Yeah. Now, just because Impact's division isn't as deep um, doesn't mean it's any less any less good. I th- think that the North, out of all of those teams that I just mentioned, might be the hottest right now in pro yes. wrestling. And, and that's saying a lot. And and, and a lot of that is owed to the great booking that um, that Impact has done in its tag team division for quite some time. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, so it's really close. I, I, I edge AEW. I edge AEW on who does tag team wrestling better because they do invest such a such significant portion of their sh- of their weekly show into it. Um, but they both do it good. Yeah. So uh, really, a trick question in that way. Yeah, definitely one of the tougher ones. What John gave us in the round tables, and yeah, I. I cannot disagree with the north i feel they are the hottest tag team in the world right now um every match they're in they're just uh on fire they just completely um can take on anybody and I, them against the young bucks or them against the lucha brothers or them against omega and page or you know if they had an interpromotional match of some kind would be phenomenal but even in impact you know the where they had this match um, with these three different teams was brilliant. And, you know, it um, had so many twists and turns and it was so cleverly booked. I thought it was the by far the match of the night. And I, I thought it was the match of the show as well, with, as well as being match of the night. I thought it was great. And then from there, we went then went into um, the knockouts championship match, which was billed as um, Diona Perusa against Kylie Ray, recently spoke to Diona Perusa, um, great conversation, which is available on bbgwrestling.com uh, on, on our SoundCloud as well, so definitely check that out. Um, and it was meant to be uh, Kylie Ray she was facing, but looking online, Kylie actually has an injury, um, which it isn't serious, but she wasn't able to compete. Um, so we didn't get this match. We actually got um, Sue Young against Diona Perusa, which was... Really, I, I enjoyed this. You know, I didn't know if I was going to enjoy this because I don't know. I, I, Sue Young's a kind of the character and they just had it the month before at um, Victory Road with uh, Susie and things. But I thought this was great. I thought the way it started with the um, the fighting on the apron and the side slam onto the apron looked great. I thought that um, having Madison Rain on commentary as well was really good. And I thought she was great on commentary. Um, I don't know. Did you enjoy her on commentary? Because I thought she was really good. And I liked the bit at the beginning before she actually started talking with um, with Josh and um, Don Callis. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> but that might just be me and my goofy sense of humor. Yeah, man. She's a, she's a solid commentator. Uh, I, I did get a kick out of the line. Uh, uh, um, she mentioned something about... Uh, uh, um, her and Dion Perrazzo being like good friends, which is something uh, Josh would know nothing about having. <laughs> but they're married, so it's like, are you guys like good friends? Like in theory, I don't know. I I, I like that line quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought she was good on commentary. As far as this match goes, um, really a WTF uh, moment in the night for for uh, Impact to. Uh, not only um, continue to promote this. This is essentially the co-main event. This would be like um, like a UFC um, having a show, and then the co-main event is this guy versus this guy. And then, as like the fighters are walking out, uh, second guy's about to come out. It's like, oh no, it's not that guy. It's this guy. <laughs> um, I thought they really bungled that. Yeah. And if Kylie was hurt, she's hurt, right? But at least, like, like do some sort of, like, legit announcement. Now, the idea of bringing Sue Young into the match, someone, a, a character, which we haven't seen 
um, since 2019, if I'm not mistaken, um, is good because pro wrestling logic and, and entertainment logic and anytime you have to have a situation where you're not going to be able to give the fans what you promise them, you have to deliver something equal to or generally speaking better. That, that's why when we had the whole debacle with um, Roman Reigns at that, at that uh, was it Survivor? No, it was TLC. You ended up having AJ Styles versus uh, Finn Balor, what yeah. many would consider to be a rematch. And we got Kurt Angle in the Shield. That's pretty awesome. Um, but that's, that's what you got to do. When you can't deliver what you promised, you got to do something better. And bringing back Sue Young was... However, if the plan all along was to put Kylie over Deanna in this match, why not just give Deanna and then you can rebook the Kylie match for your next big show um, and then have her beat her there. Um, yeah. Being Deanna here, I, I, didn't agree, I didn't really agree with it unless, uh, of course, they're planning on putting the belt right back on her. But it, she still took a loss and she took it clean, too. Um, yeah. The circumstances were a little fugazi, and, and she'll, she can spin that with her character um, coming up. But yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought that. I it agree. was, uh, it, it was, it was a little frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think they should have mentioned something, or they could have had Kylie on video, you know, and said something like, you know, I can't come tonight, but I've got a replacement or something, and not just issue an open challenge. It was a bit sort of bit amateurish if anything i thought it was a bit odd you know like you said for the co-main event i thought it was a bit weird um but it wasn't a bad match it was again just but i am annoyed mm-hmm. that Dio, diana lost especially given all the momentum she's been gaining in the past few months and she was really getting some strong momentum to then lose the title to sue young i didn't feel it was relevant i didn't feel there was any need for it and as you said it could have been booked again at in January when they've got hard to kill, you know, there was no reason for it to, you know, happen at, um, tonight at Bound, well, last night at Bound for Glory. I felt it was a bit unnecessary. Um, I mean, there was some good spots in the match. There was some, they had good chemistry as they always have had mm-hmm. in the matches I've seen. Um, I just think that it was the wrong decision um, and the booking could have been made a bit more, um, less secretive and it just seemed very sort of, um, Amateurist, like she didn't turn up, like she didn't want to be there, which was a bit odd. <laughs> like I was expecting her to come out at some point, you know, I was expecting something, yeah. but she just wasn't there. It was like no one made any reference to it, which was very odd. Um, but it was what it was, and as we said, Sue Young got the got the victory, so she's the new Impact uh, um, Knockouts champion. Um, so it was, you know. A strange one. And then we found out as the match ended that um, it was interesting, actually, because we actually asked them, Diana, a question regarding this. But the knockouts tag team titles are actually coming back. And if you listen to Josh Matthews, they're coming back in January 2020. So they're coming back um, actually a year, like at the beginning of this year. So we're going to have to go back in time to see that match, Um, (laughs) which was then which was then aptly. you know, um, corrected by Don Callis saying it's 2021, um, which was, which was, um, you know, quite amusing. Um, I think that was good. I, I will say this though, before we do get into the main event, that I do think Don Callis and um, Josh Matthews have great com- chemistry as commentators. You know, I think they were so good on this show. And I mean, I know that Josh Matthews can be a bit, you know, like you said, look, it was coming out into the impact zone. Oh, he's a bit kind of Don West, but I think that. Don Callis really does keep him in line, and I think Don Callis had some really good one-liners on this show, and you just realise just how good a commentator he actually is when you watch a show like this. 
um and just that he um he really has sort of helped impact so much in the past two years to get out of that rut they were in for so long with where they were you know this is um along with scott damar not forgetting scott damar of course um I don't know, maybe you thought differently of the commentary, I don't, but I thought it was quite good this evening. I thought that for this show, I thought it was quite amusing. Yeah, I agree. And, and I'll just say that um, that I like Josh Matthews as a commentator. I just I just like to uh like to rag on him when he when he uh, slips up like that. It's kinda of fun. it's kinda of fun. <laughs> it's funnier. It's funnier when he does for some reason. I, I don't know. Uh and Don, uh, what he's been able to add to uh impact since coming back in into pro pro wrestling is you know in an invaluable uh, resource for the commentary team backstage, I'm sure as well. He's such a smart guy. I was actually recently listening to listening back to all his appearances on Talk Is Jericho uh, over the years, and he tells a great he tells some great stories, man. Um, I'd highly recommend that to to anyone uh, looking for a good uh, a good throwback one of these. But uh, yeah, just wrapping up my thoughts on the match, though, um, it was solid. One thing that I will say when you've got um, wrestlers that, that focus on on the on the arm bar, the cross arm breaker, the Fujiwara arm bar um, in, in a pro wrestling match, it's very tough because the cat's out of the bag with what with what a legit arm bar looks like. You know, I, many people have seen, I'm sure, especially with Ronda Rousey being so popular and and her really popularizing the move. You've seen what it looks like when an arm is gonna break from the arm bar and when you when you see that when you see that move get applied and you see the elbow i guess um you know that there's not any real pressure being applied there so then you kind of go ha cat's out of the bag <laughs> uh, um but as, but for pro wrestling uh with the fujiwara arm bar that diana does very clean i like that move quite a, a bit and i think that's if, if you're gonna do an arm bar in wrestling that's how you gotta do it i, I just remember alberto del rio doing that move and, and he would he's like he does it because he's like uh he's got a uh crown himself but he yeah. doesn't like like flatten the arm he just holds it like in that position it's like you're just hold, dude you're just holding the arm it's not yeah. doing anything. it it's when when you have a situation like that it's usually best to avoid it all. that said the match was was decent i just wish that there would have been better communication on impact's part with uh kylie ray especially you know given what we what we know about her um, going back to AEW um, and kind of like the circumstances surrounding her departure there. It was just, um, and you, you would have liked to see it play a little bit differently on this show. Yeah. Um, but look, Deanna, um, listen, she, she made a lot of bold claims coming off of uh, her uh, WWE release. And uh, so far, she's absolutely backed it up. I think she's one of the, uh, the cleanest... Um, uh, in-ring talents uh, women's wrestling has right now and, and that's that's saying a lot yeah yeah I think she's great you know I've seen her back in I saw her breaking in on the independence in Ring of Honor and coming through the ranks and then in WWE and it back in well into Impact Wrestling now and she's phenomenal the, the owner I think and she's young and she can work and she's got all the tools there to, but she's got a great presence to her I think she's great you know and Kylie Ray's great as well you know it's just a shame that she wasn't there for this match um, and just the circumstances surrounding it were just all very odd um, but they made the well considering what happened they did the best they could but they could have at least addressed the actual situation better than just sort of keeping it 
a secret if anything you know it seemed a bit weird um yeah. but well, you know all, all it takes is just josh matthews having to say we have some breaking news uh kylie ray has been um has not been medically cleared to compete tonight and and uh therefore um be a replacement for this match that's all it, that's exactly all it but not only do they not do that but they they showed a hype video you know getting people ready for uh, kylie ray possibly having her crowning moment tonight and not only did she not have that she wasn't even on the so yeah you kind of sucked honestly bit weird bit weird yeah um bizarre logic it's tna after all you know there's always bizarre logic in tna so keep the tradition going yeah lol tna right exactly got a reference to the past as ec3 said why not um and then we came into the main event of the evening which was between Eric Young and Rich Swan for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. And this was the main event of the show. And I thought the promo pre-match video was brilliant. I thought that worked really well. Um, I liked the fact that Dave uh, Penza came into the ring to do the um, announcements, although it did feel a bit uncomfortable when he clo- they closed in on the wrestlers and it was dead silence. It was a bit sort of tumbleweed. <laughs> but I did like that sort of legitimacy because I do like that in Impact, that they kind of give that fight feel to it. Um, but I thought this was a really yeah. good, classic, heavyweight championship match in that it had the um, heel champion overtaking and dominating the cha- the challenger and Rich Swan getting the comeback, and you know he, the performances in this match by both men were brilliant. I thought that the body language and the psychology and the um, the actual facial expressions and just the performances were brilliant. I thought that Rich Swan played such a brilliant babyface in this match, and some of the stuff what he was doing, like his his selling of stuff, was on point. You know, I, I, I thought the um, there was one particular moment when Rich was looking like he was going to do a handspring off the um, apron to the to the floor, but he actually kind of like landed his head onto the apron, which looked, again, the way they caught it on camera, looked nasty, which then opened it up for uh, Eric Young to land with the neck breaker and to concentrate on the neck. And there was some vicious-looking bumps. What Rich, Rich is really good at taking bumps. You know, he's, like, really good at taking bumps, and he took lots in this match, what made it look like a real... made Eric look strong as a real crazy wrestler. And I've never been a massive Eric Young fan, but I thought he was brilliant in this match. And um, then we got the the frog splash and the, um, the handspring... Um, elbow with the um with the cutter and we had the phoenix splash and that was the victory for rich which was a really nice way to um to finish off the show so i've kind of gone on the whistle stop tour of the match there but what did what did you make of it jack did you think it sort of lived up to the expectations or what did you make of it well it's interesting first off we need to establish what the expectations were uh going in like I said, this is not a main event that had had a lot had a ton of star power, in my opinion, and that's what a main event kind of needs at, at, on a big show like this. Now that said, there was never any doubt these two were, gonna, and, and they did. I saw some people on Twitter, I think some um, Impact uh, stands, if 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 you're familiar with the term, <laughs> um, saying things like, "Man, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far with it." It was debatably match of the night. Um, I might. 
didn't lean that way myself. It was interesting, though. Um, young, Eric Young, who looked great, by the way, uh, he beat on, he got the heat on Rich for over, well over 10 minutes. And um, yeah. then Rich just, he started hulking up. It, it, it was like something out of the 80s. Um, and then he was able to deliver his offense, and his offense looks great. Um, he did the lethal injection. He he uh, he did the Phoenix splash. Uh, like I said, uh, Rich Swan has an athleticism that you can definitely market. He shaved his beard before uh, coming out. Uh, so uh, always nice to uh, to see that. It's kind of like uh, symbolic in a way. It's kind of like uh, leaving something behind. Now this is the main event, Rich Swan. So. I think how we're going to view this match in the long run is going to depend on what happens with uh, Rich Swan going forward. Is this going to be the main event, Rich Swan? Now, because if it is, I'm fine with this main event. It was, it was cool. It was cool to see um, the roster come out at the end of the show. I typically don't like when they when they kind of come out like that out of character um, because the whole like it's and this is that I always um, I. I always put first. It's the most important thing when it comes to pro wrestling. It's the whole. Um, I can't make them think wrestling's real, but I can make them think I'm real. Um, but how how can you do that if if you're going to appear out of character and in character on the same show? A little, little weird. But yeah. that said, cool visual with the roster coming out um, because it was a well earned victory. And uh, you know, the question on the wrestling state was, you know. Do these guys deserve to be in the main event? Of course they deserve to be in the main event. Um, they're, fa- they're fantastic. Um, and for Rich Swan, it's a well-earned victory. I was just saying that if the goal here is to put new eyeballs in the product, these probably aren't going to be the guys to do that. And that's okay if that's not the goal. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. You know, because I you got, the... you gotta, oh, sorry. You got to remember, I mean, we're, we're, we've been talking about We've been talking. Sorry, uh, no, no. It's, it's, sorry. Um, no, yeah, we, we, all right. We, uh, we, you know, we were talking about TNA and uh, TNA Bound for Glory and Bound for Glory's the past years. You got to remember, this is a show that, and I know you, and know it's like tough to compare because not it's not the same as it was. But this is a show that historically has had main events with, with guys like Sting. AJ, um, who obviously became an even bigger star after leaving, but um, obviously Jeff Jarrett, uh, Christian Cage, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, uh, these are big names in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when when you put when you juxtapose Eric Young versus Rich Swan to something like uh, Sting versus Jeff Jarrett, it just doesn't have the same, uh, quite frankly, um, to it. So that I mean that that's all I'm getting at from that point. Um, but you know maybe some people don't look look at it that way and that's fine too yeah you know it was it was a a great match to end it was a great moment to end the show on and you know both guys have worked hard and you know rich especially it was great to see him win the belt and you know the whole thing of the uh, wrestlers coming out into the you know the ring and celebrating with him it it's sort of the moment what always happens on these big shows that you know you get the um you know roster coming out and celebrating so it didn't feel sort of out of place. It's just sometimes, you know, it, it. I think it would have been nice for Rich to have a moment of his own. I think, and it, 
I don't know. It sometimes detracts from the um, actual moment of the wrestler. They sort of leapt on him the minute he won the belt, and I felt like he should have had a bit of time for him just to have the belt there himself, but that was just my take on it. But I feel that Eric Young, really strong performance from him, and I can't wait to see more of what he can do in this current persona he's got. And I think that he was a great heel champion in this match. And as you said, the way he worked on Rich for over 10 minutes for him then swan to get the... Tim, the whole the uh, hooking up and winning the championship. I thought it was a great classic main event storytelling, and sometimes that's fair enough. It's formulaic and fair enough. It's quite traditional, and it's not trying to break you know any new ground or anything. But it can work, and you know it, it was it definitely they both took it to each other in more ways than one, and they both took some nasty bumps and worked hard. And I thought it was definitely a one of the strongest matches on this show. Not the best match on the show, as I've mentioned, but I think it was a solid way to end the show. A nice feel-good moment for everyone. Um, and, you know, that wraps up Bound for Glory. So it was a a really fun, interesting show. It was a show which divided many opinions, including myself and Jack's. Um, but that's always good to be able to do that. And that's good about Impact, I think. I think in the legacy of Impact, it's one of these companies which divides people. I don't think it's ever, um, as you said, you get these fans who are there thick and thin and watch everything Impact puts out and there are other people who dip in and out and, you know, people who are a lot more criti- critical of them. But they're still around and they're still putting shows on and, you know, much like this show, it was, you know, it was enjoyable. So... Uh, just the last three questions are, so what would you make your match of the night then, uh, Jack? Yeah, it's it's close between the main event and uh, just, I mean, just to be different than you, I, I will say the main event, you know, give credit where it's due. Those guys came out there with a feeling that they had something they needed to prove and, and they, they proved their point. It was... Uh, it was rock solid. It was it was really rock solid, and I, I I personally loved the tag title match just because I loved the way it was booked. But if you chose the main event, I can't disagree with you. I thought it was really you know it was a really strong match. Performance of the night, I've gone for Ethan Page, and by performance, I mean in terms of both um, out of the ring in terms of interview and you know in the ring in terms of the work in the ring. So who would you go for performer of the night? Well. To steal a uh, hockey moniker, um, I'll I'll go through I'll go three stars in the night uh, uh, personally, and uh, I'll and as far as that goes, I'll I'll I'll, I'll first um, start by saying Eric. Um, this is a a, a T. He's not a TNA lifer because or Impact lifer because he had the WWE run mixed in there, but he was able to come back in. It was like he never left. He's able to. You know, main event, the company that uh, that gave him uh, really the, the platform that, that made him Eric Young to begin with. Um, and to, br- to come into that, I was critical, but I, I, I had never had any doubt that he was going to not, you know, live up to the moment. He did. Um, and he carried that main event beautifully. So Eric Young, I'll agree with you on Ethan Page. Uh, he was uh, fantastic from the interview coming out there and doing exactly what they promised they would do. Um, and then as far as maybe a, a third star goes, I'd probably – I'd have to go with Deanna, and here's why. Although I didn't love the booking of that match or the circumstances surrounding it, it's – I'm not sure if, uh, if she knew – that uh, that, that Sue Young was going to be her opponent 
um, because they played the uh, the Kylie Ray uh, package in the beginning of the show. I don't I don't really know what happened there, but if we're to be believed that this was a last minute um, switcheroo of sorts for her to then switch gears and then be able to work with a completely different opponent in Sue Young is nothing short of fantastic. And and the match didn't suck, right? It yeah. was just the um, the, the 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 call to have her lose that sucked, um, and the fact that Kylie Ray uh, couldn't be on the show, and that Impact didn't convey that to the audience uh, well by any stretch of the imagination. So that's who I would go with. Three stars, man. Uh, Eric Young, Ethan Page, Dion Perrazzo. Fantastic. Brilliant. Can't disagree with either of those. And um, yeah, I think that wraps it up. It was a it was a fun show. It definitely got us talking, as you can as you can tell. I really enjoyed the show itself. I think it was definitely worth people's time. You can find it on Fight TV. Um, it's available to watch the well pre-order the replay of, um, and it was definitely you know um, a good show to. I would recommend people go out and check it out. So thank you so much, Jack, for joining me to review um, Bound for Glory 2020 and to have our pre-pay-per-view review debate on Edge's face turn in uh, in WWE. <laughs> it was definitely an absolute pleasure as always. Um, for those who are listening, where can they find you on social media and um, your work in general? Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on the show. Get to talk a little thank wrestling. You. Um, it's definitely a good, a welcome uh, deviation uh, from the norm <laughs> to get to do that with people uh, these days. Nice. So any chance I get, happy. Um, yeah, if you guys want to follow me and hear my musings um, on wrestling and life in general, you can follow me over at Jack Goodwillie. Um, full name, one word, over on, on Twitter and Instagram if you'd like. Um, and be sure to uh, go ahead and also follow the wrestling estate at the wrestling EST on Twitter. And um, we're trying to get our Instagram account um, more up to speed at this point. Um, but if you'd like to follow over on there as well, you can feel free to do so at the wrestling estate 2019. Um, and you'll be able to get your updates there. Got a lot of good content coming on the site coming up. November's a big month with a lot of uh, Survivor Series anniversary, um, among other things. I've got some cool stuff in the works, too. So um, as does Steven, I'm quite sure. So be sure to check <laughs> that out at the Wrestling ESP on Twitter. Absolutely. Um, love being able to be part of the wrestling estate. And, you know, um, it's been uh, it's been so long since we last spoke. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to review Bound for Glory with you, um, Jack. And definitely to everyone listening, check out um, not only the Wrestling Estate's work, but Jack's work on the site. It's... Some of the best, if not the best, writing you'll find anywhere on wrestling. It's always so in-depth, always so knowledgeable, as we've had this evening with this chat about Bound for Glory. It's always an education speaking to you or reading you, Jack. I always find it a pleasure reading and you know talking to you. So thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, likewise, Stephen. Uh, pleasure to be on the show. Thanks again. Thank you. No, you're welcome. And just to finish up, um, if you would like to follow the uh, Broken But Glorious podcast, you can find us on Twitter at BBG Wrestling, and you can find our website at www.bbgwrestling.com. So that wraps up Bound for Glory's review for 2020 here at Broken But Glorious. Uh, I'm Stephen Jackson, and it was a pleasure once again to speak to you, Jack, and we'll see you all later on. So thank you, everybody. Take care. See ya.